This is J.T. Greenleaf. I'm the lead pastor of Redlands First United Methodist Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our sermon podcast. This week, we continue the worship series, New Year, Same Promise. In this series, we have reflected on the many dimensions of God's promise of grace in our life. This week, we consider how we experience God's grace through the call to Christian discipleship. It is important, as we answer the call, to be open to the gifts we experience as Christ is at our side and the gifts we experience and express when we choose to be at Christ's side. If what you hear in this sermon is meaningful to you, please share it with others. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish, In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined." You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. This is the Gospel reading from Matthew 4, verse 12 through 23. Now, when he heard John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and dwelt in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, toward the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father mending their nets. He called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. Friends, I would invite you Pray with me as you see it printed in your order of service. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, 
O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. If there's uh, one thread or one experience that um, has been consistent um, for me in the last 38 years since I started following the call that lands me here today, it is the, the power of being present with people. And I think about this particularly as it comes uh, to uh, mission work. You know, there is, when we think about mission work, we've been stirred by the, the stories of missionaries. Um, we've seen pictures, we've heard stories, we've heard testimonials. Um, and those are, those are important pieces of how we connect uh, with mission work in the world. Not everybody has the means to go to some of the places at the farthest corners of the globe to be in mission, certainly. So these kind of testimonials do play a role. However, when it comes to the impact that we can make, not only for other people, but the impact on us, there's nothing quite like being on the ground with folk. There's nothing quite like being face-to-face occupying the same space with people, being able firsthand to hear their stories, to roll up your sleeves with them and work side by side. Whether it was uh, all the times I've been to Sierra Service Projects with the youth or mission work even when I was in seminary uh, in Texas, um, Katrina rebuilds um, um, several years ago, uh, Guatemala, um, working in downtown LA after the 1992 um, uh, riots following the Rodney King verdicts. In each of these spaces, in each of these places, there has been something um, vital to me. A, a part of who I am is rooted in each of those experiences. Being in worship together, being here physically present um, is another part of that. Now, yeah, you can watch you know, YouTube videos. You can watch YouTube videos of, of, of this worship service or other worship services. And you can, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different virtual things that we can do. And they are moving. But there is something about being present physically. Something that giving money on its own can't accomplish something that just hearing stories can't accomplish. There is a, a qualitative and quantitative difference when you're actually physically present someplace. This is um, really what the heart of the gospel is about. If we want to understand the what's and the why's and the wherefore's of the gospel, really of the whole scriptural witness, it is about the power of being present with people, with anybody and everybody. The passage that I read earlier from Isaiah uh, is, a, is a seminal piece of this idea of God's desire to be present in all circumstances. Now, in Isaiah's time, it was a particularly violent, a particularly militaristic, particularly bloody, particularly uh, difficult time in their history. 
There was war and violence and famine and disease and intrigue all swirling all around Israel. And they were feeling the effects of it. And, and in honesty, some of what they were feeling was the effect of their own choices. What the kings did, what the priests did, the ways that they did not follow their call to be a covenant people. So some of what Israel was, uh, was experiencing was self-inflicted. And yet God does not say, you blew it, you're on your own, see ya, and go looking for another chosen people. God rolls up, if you forgive the expression, God rolls up God's sleeves and vows to be present with them. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the bloodshed, in the midst of their own stupidity, God vows to be with them. Imagine that. Imagine that. But that's the heart of it. And it's over the course of, of Israel's uh, um, uh, trials and then Judah's trials, the Babylonian exile, the period after that, Greek conquest, Persian conquest, Roman conquest, that Jesus is born into. To be Emmanuel, to be the fullest expression of that promise that God has made to be present. To be on the ground, to be with them. Not just simply dialing it in from wherever God hangs out when God is somewhere else, but to be here, to be at our side. Jesus becomes that gift, that promise, that expression that God is on our side, at our side. Let me, let me, let me dial that back, because sometimes God isn't necessarily on our side. If we continue to persist in doing things that break community, God is still at our side. Eh, maybe not on our side. We'll, we'll explore that in another sermon. But at our side. We like the idea of Christ being at our side. Because when Christ is at our side, think about what that means. Think about what that brings. We know about new life, we know about resurrection, we know about healing stories, we know about teaching stories, we know about all of these great things that happen when Christ is at our side. And we're grateful for that, aren't we? We praise God for that. We thank God for that. We look forward to that. We become dependent on that. We hope for that because we recognize just how much we need it. Each of us, in our own way, we need to have that assurance. Because somewhere in the recesses of our mind and our heart, we recognize that we can't do this alone. And that is a witness that is vital to our faith and our discipleship. But the thing that the, the passage that Barbara read earlier from Matthew's gospel is that that idea of Christ at our side, Emmanuel, God with us, is only the beginning of the story for us. Because Christ then calls first the disciples, those few, then more, and then a larger group of people, and by extension us, Christ calls us to be at his side. 
Christ calls us, you, me, us, to be right at his side. Which means we need to go where Jesus goes. We need to go where Jesus went. We need to be on the ground, side by side, with people. This is partnership. This is relational. This is about geography. But not just physical geography. It's also emotional geography. And it is spiritual geography. We can say, we're going to stand right by Jesus' side. And we're going to go where Jesus goes. But we are called to roll up our sleeves and get to work and be in partnership with people, whatever, whatever their needs are, whatever the needs of the community are, to stand with people, to be a, a healing presence, to be the hands and feet of Christ in the lives of the people with whom we are in ministry. We are called to occupy that same space to be present with them, to use some of the language that we used last week when we talked about God's faithfulness to abide with people, to take up residence with people, to cohabitate with people, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. So we're going to do a little, we're going to do a little example here. Okay. So imagine the power, if I'm standing up here in front, but I recognize and I know of, you know, needs that exist within this church community. And I very vaguely talk about the needs of the community and how important it is to pray um, for one another. And you would probably draw some comfort. But stop and think for a minute. F follow me for just a minute. And I'm just going to pick somebody at random, okay? But what if I came over here and I knew that there was a need that our dear sister Susie had? The power of being able to be present with people in that moment. To pray, to love on them, and to, in some respects, embody this presence. When I was in seminary, they talked about this being representational, you know, that we represent, you, you've heard that one, we represent Christ, that we become Christ present for people. Think about how important it is when people feel new to a community or feel a need and are not sure of where they may fit in the community to have somebody come and say, I love you and you belong to be present. It's one thing to say it from up there, and it's not that that doesn't have power. It does. But the power of being present. I could spend the whole morning and probably come and stand in front of every single one of you. One day we may do that. Maybe not. One day. Even if we don't do it, know that 
this is not the only space where that sort of thing happens. This is the gift. This is the promise. There is, as we think about a new year, but the same promise. You think about the chaos that we live in right now. Chaos that that many of us have never seen. I mean, depending on how old we are, we've seen bits and pieces of it. But we've never seen anything quite like this. Some of it happens from without. Some of it happens from within. Some of it is self-inflicted. And yet, like with Isaiah, like with Matthew, we are reminded that the promise of God is to be present with us. And in Christ, we are called to share that same promise by then being present with Christ, to be at his side, to go where he goes, to share the love that Christ shared. A handshake, a hug, a cup of coffee, putting in a stove in Guatemala for a family, pounding nails in a roof on Sierra Service Project, rebuilding homes after a storm, helping with showers, helping serve a meal. I mean, we can go on and on and on. But these are all expressions. These aren't just good things we do. And even if it was only good things we did, there would be value to it. But we are called to more. As disciples of the risen Christ, we are called to be at the side of those, to be in partnership with the people in need that we see every day with our neighbors. And remember who your neighbor is. Remember who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is not simply the person who has the next sequential number on your street. Remember the story that Jesus told when he was asked by somebody who was a little unclear on the concept, who is my neighbor? And then he proceeds to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. The idea of neighbor transcends our tribalism, transcends any of our isms. And these are the people whom we're called to serve. These are the people that when we stand at Christ's side, he leads us to. And wherever they are, whatever their needs, whatever their concerns, wherever they feel ostracized or marginalized or broken or in need, we can be in the ways that we love them, in the ways that we represent Christ to them. We share the same grace that we ourselves have received, a grace that brings life, a grace that brings hope, and a grace that, that, that fashions the kingdom of God in our world. Brothers and sisters, let us 
commit ourselves yet again to share this promise that's been shared with us. Amen.